Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Mornan, and my host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? How's everybody doing? Tough fixtures to discuss. One against Leeds uh, and one against Benfica. Let's go to the Emirates Stadium where we took on uh, a lead side that were, you know, up and down, but they could give anybody a game on their day. You know, one thing that, like, you know, as we're now leading to the game, one thing that commentator actually said before, and it's like, you either going to get Leeds that's going to come in and trounce you 5 0, or they're going to come in and get beaten 5 0 because they just go all or nothing. Because going into the game, you know, I guess no one also told the both teams, you know, the art of defending. Because I think from the first whistle, both teams were really at, it, at each other. I mean, of course, also were trying to play the more dominant position, position game, but uh, Leeds, in, you know, on their side, they were again trying like a high, sort of high press, but constant high press. And I, I was just thinking to myself, the same story I always say, like if you're not physically up to it, you know, you can only push or pressure for so long and then it's going to start, you know, counting on you physically. But back to the game, uh, Leno and Luis uh, came back to the squad after the suspensions. Uh, Sebeos, Odegaard and Aubameyang came in as well. And then uh, the guys that ended up dropping to the bench was uh, Matt Ryan holding Pepe and Lacazette. Uh, Thomas Party is still out injured. What was your thoughts like with the lineup going? It was very interesting to see Odegaard and Smith Rowe like starting together and Sebeos as well. I know Sebeos played that kind of double pivot role, as they say, with um, Granit Xhaka in the past. I mean, in that three-four-three formation. But you would say it's a very Attacking side that probably, you know, if on song could unlock a lot of teams, especially with a with a prowess of a Bamiang up front. But you know, you wonder like that was was luck as it dropped, or is it just, you know, because he's been playing game in, game out consistently, was that a tactical decision just to arrest him a bit? Or, you know, does does um Arteta not believe that he can lead the line? I think due to that experimental lineup, as you know, mentioned, because look, this was, if you go down, that's actually a point that I jotted down was, I mean, going to this game, this was actually the most attacking starting 11 that we've actually seen in years because you've had like, you could actually put down as four attack minded midfielders. Yeah. You know, was spread across the, the midfield with almost like Xhaka just acting as a, as a, almost like a shield or, or the old school number six, as they would call it. Whereas the others were almost like all in support. So, look, Aubameyang also had no complaints. Look, something we've seen when he makes it kind of public, or I think his family also made it public, or his father was, or something like that, with regards to, yeah, he can only have bad games if, you know, we are not creating the chance. So, I mean, yet, I was telling my friend also, like, from the UK, uh, this was also no excuse for him now, because, look, now he's got everything he really wants, he's going to have now. Someone like Saka and, and Smith Rowe on each wing. He's going to have Odegaard, you know, almost like as that, that uh, old school number 10. Or, I mean, at times they were also rotating Smith Rowe and, and, and Odegaard. But, I mean, you actually had now that option. And then you had also almost like a double uh, interest point also with, with Sebeos there because he is also quite creative. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and it's good to see that side of Sebeos. I think he was battling a bit in this Arsenal team that was very much defence-minded more than anything. Yes, he's... Oh, yeah. he, and, and, like, I've I've started to enjoy his gameplay, you know, like when we get to it in Betfica, but also playing here against Leeds. Like, he, he, he's he been, like, almost a spark. He's not kind of that guy we saw when he played against Burnley. So, it's like, you're almost having that attacking prowess around him almost opens up doors for him to do things with the ball. 
Yeah, look, the first 10 minutes also were peppering the Leeds goal because, I mean, the, 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 we were coming at them from just about every angle. Then I think 12 minutes, also like so typical also of Arsenal. And then came on again, you know, almost like against the runoff play. Leeds again come at us. And I mean, uh, I think we kind of switched off almost like it was getting, you know, on easy street somewhere for us. Uh, Patrick Bamford ends up darting ahead from a corner ahead of our defenders. And, I mean, he manages to get a shot at goal with the header, but, I mean, Leno manages to save. Yeah, that's the problem with uh, that zonal marking sometimes, eh? Yeah. You lose track of, of guys and they always get the run on you. And then, of course, since the game was already ending up or playing out like a ding-dong battle, a minute later, Aubameyang then collects the ball from a, a quite a neat Xhaka pass, you know, very simple pass, which dissects the, the defence and the midfield. He ends up, uh, Abamia ends up getting into the Leeds box and then he does like, I think about two or three step overs, which kind of flummox the, the, you know, the defenders trying to kind of almost like jockey, but I mean, they also just backing off, backing off. And I think by the time he's about to do the third one, when he notices that Meslier is kind of flat-footed, Abamia just ends up eating a shot in the near post, 1-0 Arsenal. That's that's clever too. He did between the two defenders. I don't know if he made that purposely, but that definitely you know played a part in bamboozling the keeper. And it was it, it, it trickled in actually. Like if you think yeah. about you know shots, but one Arsenal and you know it, it just felt like they were probably going to stamp the authority on this one after that goal. Then twenty six minutes, like uh, you know, as Leeds also are trying to gain some sort of control in the game, that they partially being overrunning. Harrison ends up firing a pot shot at Leno, but I mean, Leno manages to collect the ball quite easily. So, in the 34th minute, almost like a controversial moment, Bukayo uh, Saka is darting through the Leeds defence, and he kind of gets nudged off the ball, and the ref, of course, gives a penalty. Then VAR ends up double-checking it, and they then say, it's no penalty. So, what was your thoughts on that moment? I, I thought it was could have been a penalty, because if you look at David Luiz's tackle against Wolves, it reminded me of something similar kind of a, a thing. So, you know, uh, if that's not the penalty, I mean, that got the red carded. I mean, this is a penalty that's overturned. So, you know, what, where do you go from here? Yeah, because I mean, it's like each ref is not coming with... Like, <laughs> uh, you can't say it's like a... But of course, you can have your own decision-making thing. Nobody can say everybody must be on the same page. But it's like you're getting one thing where, where somebody gets nudged off the ball. Like that. Look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump too much into the part, like you know, ahead in the podcast. But I just want to bring up a point where, in the latter part of the second half, Bamford gets the exact same foul where he gets sandwiched against the same by two Arsenal defenders, and the commentators were eager for that to be a penalty. And I said, how can if if that was like the same thing? It was uh, you know he was like nudged off the ball. Uh, Saka was nudged off the ball by the Leeds defender, and yet he had a problem with that, and yet. For them now, this thing was now should have been a stone wall penalty. I'm thinking, like, how do you figure that now? Yeah, it's, it's the 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 blurred, it's literally blurred lines. You know, yeah. one moment you know penalty, no next, like you know, no penalty, and these decisions have impacts on games. I mean, you know, who, who knows? Maybe after that, you know, Leeds could have scored almost immediately or something like that. But because of, I mean, two, you could have been two 0 up getting the penalty and, you know, game could have been buried. It, it it plays a lot. I don't like this VAR. I mean, I'm going to say something controversial, but I think, you know, they should scrap VAR out of the game and I'd rather have, you know, decisions because now you're having these decisions that they're re-looking at. They're re-looking at the decision or they're not even looking at it. Sometimes they don't even go and check 
the the um, the video footage on the screen to make a decision. VAR is just saying, "Oh no, this is happening," and then they're like, "Okay, overturn, no penalty." Or so, and yeah. I'll just, I'd like just you know, stick on that point now. Have you noticed how cute they try to be? This VAR set up with the, the Premier League. When the incident happens, like you as a fan, I mean, look, we know the fans, the majority, they're now able to go watch in the stadium. They, they, you know, they have to also now accept the decision. But have you noticed now that we, like you're home and you want, you have it, you have the game running on TV, so you actually, as a fan, want to also see. Okay, so explain to me now how that you know yes. it's now not given, and yet they will let the, they'll keep it from you. And then, like say five to ten minutes after the fact, then all of a sudden it gets slipped into the, 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 the you know, the, the televised thing that you're watching now. Then all of a sudden, yeah, okay, here's the footage available. But then I mean, it's like five to ten minutes too late. You can't do yeah. it. Because you as a fan are now watching this thing. almost like, yeah, but I mean, we were now all done by the, and now all of a sudden you have to come show us, oh yeah, the error, it could have been an error in judgment. Uh, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, I, I think... You know, I, I may be wrong, but I think in the World Cup, they actually, you know, reviewed things correctly where they went to go look at the screen for every decision and they, they felt it was right or wrong. And for me, if a ref makes a decision, he, the VAR calls it and he goes and looks at the board. He has time to have a look at the decision and he says, you know, penalty, no penalty, and it goes against or for Arsenal. You know, you, you accept it because he's looking at it, he's taking his time through it, and he doesn't see any reason why it should change. So, you know, stick to his awful decision. But we don't see that enough. And I mean, look, Aiden, what you now said now that, you know, certain decisions can have consequences. Because if you think last season, when Aston Villa just scraped in, and it eventually came down to a decision that was done at the start of, you know, after the comeback of the COVID lockdown, yeah. the first game. Where they, uh, Aston Villa played Sheffield United. Sheffield United headed a shot at goal. The ball was over the line. The keeper was beat. Keeper was also in goal with the ball. And then uh, the, all the ref could not do was like you know say play on because it was like say he recommended as a save. And yet the what's it that Hawkeye thing of the goal line technology was not plugged in. So that oh was, my word, I remember that. So that means. You know, the teams now got relegated. They should actually also feel hard done by because they were not just robbed a few points from uh, Villa losing out on points then. Yeah, I know. Mean, Villa just scraped through. It seems like yeah. they get the rub of the green a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you saw the Southampton game against Villa as well. I think Danny Ings scored a perfectly good goal. And, you know, VR checked it with a line and his arm was ahead of the player, so they called it offside. So, uh, 39th minute, Saka then closes down, Mesley. I mean, Arsenal were doing also the high press on the goalkeeper as well. And I think for once, like, he was dealing with it quite well up to then. But then he decided, I think, to take an extra touch. And by the time he takes an extra touch, Saka is almost like right in his face. And he ends up, you know, kind of spilling the ball forward. And in his, like, recovery, Mesley, he ends up jacking down Saka. Stonewall penalty, Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, there was no VAR doubt about that, but... Saka just becoming becoming so unplayable of late. And they were trying to do that hacking down of him, but it wasn't working. It's like that was a good, good, good move by him. And I think, you know, I think well deserved after the first half. Yeah, well, I know Oscar had a uh, tough time in that first half trying to hack him down because every time he was just too fast for him. But uh, well, that's it. Uh, 41st with Abamian steps up for the penalty and perfectly plants the ball in the top corner 2 0 Arsenal. 
Yeah, you could see he needed these those two goals for his confidence booster. And you know, for me personally, looking two 0 before half time, I would have taken that. Yeah, and of course, forty fourth minute, Arsenal literally swarming leads now into errors. Sebios ends up picking a ball, nutmegs, I think, click, and then uh, Bellerin is on the overlap, manages to get the ball under control, steer the ball past the last man, and then drill the pass, drill the ball past the keeper, three 0 Arsenal. I was really impressed with Sebeos' pass as well. It was a nice, cute little touch. So I think it was through the defender's legs. Like, and then, yeah, good finish by Pellerin as well. And I think, you know, most of us at that point were thinking, you know, what substitutes are we going to make in the second half? Are we going to arrest the Benfica coming up? Yeah. In the second half, surprisingly, Leeds end up making the two early subs. They brought on the more attack-minded players because I think some of them were really having a hard time dealing with Arsenal's quick uh, passing, and I think this is what was actually hurting them more, because if you remember that first few minutes, or not first few minutes, that, that part after the first goal, between the first goal and the 39th minute, or the, the penalty, we were almost like kind of slowing things up, which was almost like playing into Leeds' hands, that's so why they were almost like getting a bit, not cocky, but more adventurous, like actually going at, you know, having a right go at us, but but I mean, second half, we're coming already immediately out of the blocks quite fast, then immediately 47th minute, uh, Emil Smith Roman just to worm himself into the Leeds box again. At first, it looks like he wants to go for a shot, but then I think he realizes now he's just going to hit one of that shots across goal. Manages to place a perfect pass across the six yard box, and Obama comes in with a diving header. 4 0 Arsenal. Maybe a, f- a few weeks ago, he wouldn't have dived like that and just you know, maybe stretched the leg or something, but. He definitely seemed a bit more eager and, you know, there was a lot of debate going around with Emile Smith, whether he meant the the cross or did he actually try to shoot for the far corner? No, I'm still sticking with a cross because when I had a, a side-on look at it, you can actually see or oh, angled his foot to get one of that, that you know, almost like a bar, banana type bend on it to, to, to uh, curl towards Aubameyang. He's been quite a bit of a assist, actually, you know, for, for, for the amount of games he's been played this season. Yep. Yeah, he's on top of his game right now. So, Leeds immediately, then, you know, come on the offensive. Rafinha again, force, forcing a top save from Leno. Um, then, of course, almost like the wheels kind of start falling off by Arsenal because 58th minute, Arsenal, very bad marking at, at the corner. Again, what you were saying about the zonal marking being a, 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 you know, can be a problem sometimes. They end up having in that zone that, that uh, the eventual goal, goal scorer, Pascal Strikers, in, they let uh, uh, what's it, Pakaya Saka be in that zone with him. <laughs> and of course, that guy's already got the, the run on, on Saka. And I mean, he ends up just almost like overpowering David Luiz and he steers the ball into the net 4-1. Yeah, uh, and, and I think I wasn't worried at 4-1. You're still kind of uh, thinking Arsenal will be fine and just see the result out. But like my biggest gripe for me was, you know, Arteta bringing on William. Instead yeah. of bringing on like a Martinelli or Pepe or even like a Z. I mean, I, I just wonder sometimes, of course, yeah, we, we do a lot of push thinking on here sometimes, but I mean, does he get like a sort of appearance fee? Like, you know, he almost like compulsory <laughs> he has to make an appearance because right then, then it made for me no sense bringing him on because, as you said, you're going to either bring on a sort of attacking forward or attacking winger. It's actually got the legs to take the game to Leeds. Because, look, Leeds were already... You could also see the way Leeds approaching the game. They were getting almost like more adventurous, adventurous because, look, Bielsa has 
the sort of attitude drilled into them where they, they, they all fight to the last breath for him and yeah. the way they, they play. And I'm just thinking, because like, you, of course, see the whole game passing by. And, and you know what you now mentioned also, like, with him being on, uh, what was it, 69th minute? When that ball gets pinged around by Leeds, he, he's just on, like, standing like a spectator ball, watching the ball. I mean, everybody's trying to do something to to cover up the mess going on there in midfield. The ball breaks out to the left. And then, of course, Tyler Roberts, he ends up uh, cutting the ball back and uh, Costa ends up firing in a, a, near po- a near post bullet shop, 4-2. Yeah, well, I, 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 I had shades of Arsenal Newcastle after they brought to 4-2, thinking, you know, Flippy, are they really going to turn this one around on us? But, yeah, the, the Arsenal seemed to have, you know, almost stabled the ship after, after that second goal went in. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, I'm with, totally with you, because I did also, I mean, look, as positive as I can try to be, Alarm bells were ringing by me, and I was already my mind was drifting to St James's Park some years back. Where uh, check the <laughs> ten day. years ago, almost to the it was, day. Some was like turning because I was thinking, uh, <laughs> you know, what, minute, another another thing uh, opportunity goes in for them. I mean, a lot. Then I mean, you you already really start uh, panicking because look at that. If you think back, I mean, any of the gooners that's listening. That shot back in the day. I mean, who would have thought Cech Diote? I mean, that, that was like a 35-yard volley that he ends up hitting back towards all. Yes, but, but that, that, that was also Arsenal's own stupidity. They gave what, like almost two penalties away or something like that. Or a penalty or Leon Best of all people. I don't know where Leon Best is now, but he travelled Arsenal. And, yeah, but like you said, that Cech Diote last-minute kick Arsenal. I think, you know, we were very much in the title race. That 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 game, and I and I think you know that that knocks your win out of your sails. I mean, we started like a house on fire. You could say almost in the similar to this Leeds fashion, we were up, you know, in that game four nil, but this game three nil, and you know, allowing um, Leeds to you know bang in two goals. But you know, like you said, also like the like the team just seemed that they were a bit more mature and just kind of you know play that stabilized kind of game where they, you know, not going to take too much risks, but they're also going to see the game out. And I think bringing on Alneni was a very good choice, especially yeah. the type of game that he plays when he pass back, slow it down. Yeah. And I think that kind of helped as well. Because it was like 76 minute, Obama ends up crashing a shot against the crossbar. And then at the third minute, Saka ends up also, you know, beating quite a few uh, players and then his shot ends up beating the keeper, but ends up, uh, you know, smacking the base of the post. Yeah, I think, you know, like, we, we just were very professional. I, I think other times maybe we could have seen a different um, result, but I'm also very, like, keen to see what happens when Kieran Tierney and Party comes into the fray because they also add a different dynamic, attacking mm-hmm. and defensively. I mean, Cedric was quite unlucky in the 87th minute when he ends up beating one of that long-range bending shots. And I mean, you could see it was also heading top corner, but I mean, Mesli pulled off a, you know, fine save to deny Arsenal here a fifth. Yeah, but I think this is one of the games, you know, where the scoreline flattered to deceive. I mean, Arsenal could have, should have ran away with it more. We just yeah. allowed, yeah. you know, Wolves, I'm not Wolves, leads back into the game. But, you know, we take the three points and, and move on to Thursday night where, you know, a lot of us gooners... Well, you know, but not nervous. Me personally, I was nervous, well, but I was one of the big games. 
No, I was a beat for that game. I mean, I had no real fear to it. Because, I mean, I just thought to myself, you know, especially when you take the league, uh, besides, besides, of course, league forms, but, uh, you know, the sort of strength that the Premier League is compared to the, the Premier League, I really saw to it that it would be like, you know, it was going to need a workman effort, but we could get the job over the line. And we started the fir- our starting lineup was the same from the weekend, and it was the first time we've done something like that since September 2018. Like a, the, just the same team that's played, you know, after each other. Yeah. So the game kicks off. Arsenal, of course, forced their dominance early on with quite a lot of position football. I think at at one point it was like 80 some 80 plus percent position for Arsenal. Uh, the only problem is like for all Arsenal's chances that were you know being carved out. The tech looked blunt, and I mean, it was really uncharacteristic. And I think the, one of the biggest problems that I, I picked up quite early in the first half was, um, I mean, I don't know what sort of play Arteta was trying, because um, if you think where Emil Smith-Rowe is hurting teams the most, is that playing between the lines of the midfield yeah. and the forwards. And he actually had him drift almost like further left than we would normally have a left wing. So it was almost like hugging the touchline. But he was having like little to no impact. I mean, he was trying to do that little give-and-go stuff, but I mean, he was. it was also a game where, where Benfica were almost like smothering us to, almost, almost like he had to do basic little passes backwards to your own goal. I think, you know, Arteta is now in a bit of a kind of a, would you say, a dilemma with regards to, like, you know, who does he play, Smith-Rowe, or does he play... Um... Oh, the God. Oh, God, yeah. So now I think he's trying to squeeze them both in because they both play as you want in the field, but I don't think he's finding the right manner to utilize both of them. You know, it's either you have maybe one holding midfielder and you have the two of them, you know, kind of running the, or their legs in the middle of the park, almost like a Chavi slash Iniesta kind of combination. Or, you know, you, one has to maybe sit out depending on, you know, the type of game you want to play. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, 19th minute, Aubameyang... Oh. Probably the miss of the match. Uh, Bellerin does some, you know, real grafting down the right flank. Manages to get himself into the box, smashes the ball across goal. And I mean, for me, it was almost like easier to, you know, what they, what they normally say, to miss. Yes. And he ends up, I mean, I don't know if he was too nonchalant or... But I mean, for me, I would say that with you and the listeners. I mean, for me, it infuriated me. Because for me, especially in a, in a, in a tournament like this, if you think... I mean, of course, you were too young to even remember this, but when when any of the Gooners that are listening, that, that our European Cup Gooners Cup uh, ran back in the day, these were the sort of games where that was the game-changing moments right there in that 19th minute that you saw now yesterday. Like, you, you'd get, like, say, Ian Wright or Tony Adams or Alan Smith, they would somehow get us into, you know, edge us forward, like, one or up, and then kind of, you know, it was like, allow the other team to open up more if they're playing on a defensive and then you like start picking them off. But for me, this this sort of attitude is like too nonchalant. And especially if if, if any of you guys have watched yesterday, uh, before the, the Arsenal or the Benfica Arsenal game, when you see how Man United put uh, Sociedad to the sword, and I mean Sociedad is not a Mickey Mouse team. Yes. They, they're really in the mix in La Liga as well. But I mean, the way we made a, you know, heavy weather out of a team like this that really... I mean, they weren't really attacking us and, and they were almost like benefiting more from our errors. That's why yes. they, they were looking threatening through, through, to our, through us being cocky and arrogant at times. I mean, Benfica, let's, let's not mince words here or mix words. They were poor. They were really bad last night. I mean, not extremely bad, but they were quite bad. And the fact that 
we never took advantage of it. Like, as you said, Aubameyang could have put us up 1-0 very early on. And you, know, you, you never know, you know, Benfica's wheels could have yeah. come off. But to put that, you know, miss aside, you, Benfica kind of thinks, okay, wait, you know, we, we, we have, we're still in this game. Mm. No, I mean, the, the longer it, it was staying at, at, at zero zero, I was starting to feel like you know I was like nervous. And I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. And then if you look at that, that moment in the forty fifth minute, just before halftime, where uh, Granit Xhaka ends up, you know, look, we're trying to see it out to halftime. It's no no, and he tries that that pass, that, the expansive pass that, that really pissed me off at times. Yeah, he tries on the one side of the pitch to the other, and I mean, of course, it gets intercepted. And you know, thank goodness. Uh, Sebayos was away because I, th- I think if it was say somebody like uh, William that was playing, he'd be totally switched off. But Sebayos like reads the danger and he managed to get himself ahead and, and uh, blocks the ball. Yeah, there's a very yeah. If Sebayos is like you know he, he he's very useful. He's a useful player to have in the team, and I think you know his work right there was was second to none. To and he spotted the danger very quickly. He spots danger quite well actually. Sebayos, you always see him put in a last ditch tackle a lot of the time. So. You know, kudos to him, and it would be interesting to actually see how team and party can conjure up together, you know, with the, with the team. Because, I mean, uh, you know, just when we were praising Xhaka the last few weeks, it, it, it's like he, he, I don't know, just for over, like, last night, he went back to the Xhaka that, that kind of annoyed yes. everybody. Like, he was trying, like, besides, like, some of the needless fouls he was giving away, but, I mean, the, the sort of passing you could see at times were not going to be on because since... Uh, Benfica, if any of you guys remember, they were playing so tightly netted down the, the middle of the pitch. To, to even uh, attempt a sort of long-range pass like that constantly, it was going to get intercepted probably nine times out of ten. Yeah, but to do it there, I mean, I mean, come on, you can not across your goal mouth. You play a rock, you can play a long-range cross across your goal mouth in the opposition half, but we he did it, it was almost like we were a corner flag, and he played such an amazing ball to that Benfica player. Yeah. Then, of course, the, the other big gripe, you know, as we now going to halftime, that was really annoying me. And I mean, that's going to now lead to also part of the second half. How Benfica for the full 90 minutes, no offsides, Arsenal 10. Wow. I mean, like, you've, and, and I mean, Saka and Aubameyang were the worst culprits because what I didn't get was they are two of our quickest players and yet they've been caught offside. And I mean, look, you've played football. I've played football. I'm mean, probably most of the listeners also. Surely your coaches have te- uh, like taught you. You, if you were playing in an attacking or offensive uh, uh, offensive position, you have to always watch that last man so that you can almost like hang on his shoulder. So you almost like you give him a sort of head start about like you know ahead of you so that your speed will take you you know it's further. So because I mean even my daughter was picking up. She was asking me why doesn't Saka or Aubameyang do what um, uh, what's it, Marcus Rashford does where he does them like a sort of what they call that horseshoe run where he oh, starts yes. side, then he goes back on and then he does that sprint to beat you. So uh, it's like they were not using it and every time it was so simple because you can even see they are not watching the line because look afterwards you, you, when, you, when you see a sort of trend picking up in a certain player you actually watch to see if he's actually watching the line and it's all like they almost like with that, like you know, that the resources with the blinkers on. <laughs> they think the minute the ball gets played forward, they just have to sprint. It's not a, to beat the offside trap. It's, it takes way more than that. Yeah, you need to arc your run, or you know, kind of, you know, just be be one step ahead of the the opposition. I mean, they have the pace. I mean, there's no reason to to be offside. Remember, Anelka used to catch people out with that. We, you know, 
he'll give you like about two or three foot head start on him. And I mean, by the time the ball gets played over, he's gone. Because I mean, yeah. his, his pace is going to burn. He, you know, he's got the pace to burn past him. So, uh, second half, quite early. I mean, we already, I was like, you know, just feeling out. Because uh, I don't like the standard of the football also start getting worse and worse as the game starts with the second half. Uh, we then end up giving away almost like a cheap penalty because I, I think after that, if many of you can remember, late in the first half, Smith Rowe went down with a sort of injury and he didn't look right after that. And yeah. then he comes out second half and he still looks, you know, sluggish and whatever. And even uh, when he had to not help, uh, close down in the area when, when uh, Benfica were attacking, he ends up almost like lazily just putting his arm out when the cross comes in. I think it was a bit harsh somewhat, but... It was harsh. I, I think it was harsh, but I mean, you can't you can make the ref to make a decision. He looked a few steps totally out of, you know, the way the, the game, the, you know, game style was going. He just looked like somebody needed to be subbed there and then. But of course, we give the penalty away. Pizza then steps up and, you know, sends a good penalty pass. You know, I mean, he manages to get the right direction, but I mean, that guy is with so much power. One no Benfica. Uh, I was really disappointed. I thought, oh, flip, man. After all this control we've had in this game, to go one nil down already, not on. Then, I mean, as the commenters say, say <laughs> something like, you know, also need to get the ball, like a snappy approach with the, with the movement of the ball. Sebius ends up hitting a, like, something like a 50-yard pass forward. Arsenal, of course, already on the front foot. There's like a whole lot of interchanging of passes. Ball breaks to Odegaard. He sends a perfect dissected ball. Through to Cedric, and I mean, Cedric ends up laying the ball on the plate for Saka 1 1. There's two things I wanted to mention with that, with the goal. The first thing is, you know, since you've told me about Cedric working on his crosses with his left foot, you know, I've, I've been watching it almost like a walk, and that cross with his weaker left foot, I mean, he hit it first time. I mean, it's something that we haven't had in a while from our wingbacks to cross like that. So yeah. kudos to him. And I don't know if you saw Odegaard's reaction when we scored. Like, you know, he's, I know he's a, a Real Madrid player still, but the way he celebrated when we scored, like, you would swear he's, he's been a gooner for a while. Like, he's really pumped. And he, you can see he's probably a, a winner. Well, have a look at Sebayos as well, because he's actually on the edge of the box. He actually ends up running... To celebrate with the substitutes when they call them. <laughs> I didn't see that. I should actually have a look at that. Yeah, so uh, 60 second, 60 second minute. Um, Benfica then now try to go for the win as well. They bring on a more attacking player. They sub Rafa ends up forcing Leno into a full stretch save. But I mean, Arsenal again at the back, kind of sloppy with you know, the way they were allowing things to, to slip through because they were at times, Valen looked like he was also tiring somewhat because. At times, he was not really also getting help with, uh, you know, uh, William and then playing in front of him. Uh, we didn't know. Like, I mean, I think there and then, this is what we, I think I had somewhat a gripe with, with Arteta because I think they already could see the subs were needed to, you know, they needed to bring something. It was like a fresher approach. Uh, Tierney then comes on for Cedric. Um, Arsenal again fluffed chance by Aubameyang. You know, really, really frustrating because... You know, you think to yourself, you know, here's a chance to, like, bury the tie. I mean, like, second away goal as well, which makes it even yeah. a, a bigger uphill task for them. But, I mean, he ends up... I, I don't know if it's, it's like... He has at moments where you see a confidence like he had against Leeds and you see, again, the lack of confidence against Benfica because it's not like that miss in the first half took his, you know, head completely away. 
And I mean, instead of just placing the ball past the QB, he ends up trying to still check back. And by the time he tries to check back, he gets taken out by the defender, Raklin. Yeah, that was that was quite annoying. I mean, that was, I don't know why well, he just didn't go on and smash it with his, his, his left foot. But, you know, what you said earlier on, you know, that miss could have changed the tie. To an extent, not to say we're going to lose anything, but had Aubameyang scored that tap in, you don't think he would have probably scored that to make it 2-1 or 2-0 or 3-1. And I mean, they would have also made uh, Benfica not play so tight like they were playing because they would have yeah. actually opened up the game a bit more. Because I think they were almost like just comfortable with watching us just pass, pass, pass and not, you know, get any progress forward. Exactly, um, because an away goal means nothing right now. I mean, yes, you know, it's all, it's, it's basically just an away goal for, you know, on the books of, of the away goals rule. But, you know, Arsenal are going to be playing in Athens. So at, yeah, at the moment, too. You know, having to, it was like I have two neutral venues now for a Europa League tie. And I was just double checking if it was with, say, Leicester City. They will be playing their home league in uh, the King Power Stadium. And I find that really annoying, like, you know, going into the the next leg coming up next week. Uh, this is quite frustrating. What's the reason that they managed to play at the home and we got at, at the Emirates because of this new strain of the virus? Or uh, no, I is... think it's more with. with the rules are not so strict with, you know, the, the opponent in their country, so that's why... Okay, I, okay, makes sense, you know. makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, also then make the subs uh, with Pepe Martinelli coming on for Smith Rowe and Aubameyang. Uh, for me, fifteen to 10 to 15 minutes way too late. Because I still think when, when you could see, it, so, you know, uh, when Aubameyang was offering really nothing going forward, uh, Smith Rowe looked, uh, you know, either naked or he was carrying a sort of injury because like, he did not, not look himself like, you know, the way we know he plays. So I think that was done way too late. Uh, the subs also that now came on Pepe and Martinelli made no really uh, no, uh, no uh, real impact on the game. And as I said now, with, uh, this is now my, my opinion now with Arteta, my biggest problem was the way he used his subs. I mean, for me, even last week, uh, if you take that Leeds game, I found it also ridiculous how... Mm. What was the holding coming on with two minutes to go in a game where you can see people are gassed already and, and need some sort of fresh legs or, you know, some shoring up in, in defence. That is where he almost like leaves the team sometimes high and dry. And for me now, so like, he, what's the 90th minute? He ends up bringing on Al Nenny and William and brings off Sebius and Odegaard. And you're thinking like, why are you just wasting your subs? I mean, you could have actually used these players to make some sort of impact going in like midway in the second half. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he needs to work on his substitutes, definitely. I know, you know, so, uh, Emre ironically got his substitutes quite good, but that's because he got his start, starting lineup quite bad. <laughs> so, again, like, not a good showing for European football from both teams, but, I mean, we go to the second leg with a, you know, vital away goal. If anything, you know, we haven't been impressive. We look at Spurs and, 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 and Man United, so... You know, we, 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 Man United seem like they are going for the Europa League as well. I thought maybe they would, you know, take their foot off the pedal a bit because of possibly, you know, they can go in the title race. But I, I think that they're going to rather probably put their eggs in the Europa League as well. Yeah. So we move our attention to the build-up for the City game on Oof. Sunday. Yeah, that is the key to it all. Yeah. Oof. Because, <laughs> you know, reading up on past uh, fixtures, doesn't make real good reading. I mean, Arsenal's last win over uh, Man City was 21st of December 2015, and you were still visiting Germany. 
Ette timeari ku. Ja. Ah, it is. Ja, it's such a long time ago. Yeah, and I mean, like you know, post takeover, Man City wins. They have been, you know, few and far between because I mean, you can see Arsenal just cannot cope with the sort of financial spending power that Man City have. And I think you know, no matter which way you look at it, I mean, as a football fan, you know, even like almost like a football connoisseur, even you can see that does change the game drastically. Because I think yeah. if we had like sort of uh, money toe to toe that like they had, we could now you know make a scrap of it. But I mean, it's, it's just next level stuff at times. Well, but, but the problem is if you're spending eighty million on a player like we did with Pepe, you expect results. I mean, yeah. we, we're spending three hundred k a week on 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 Mesut Ozil, and he wasn't playing. I mean, so uh, we have the money. I think we just utilize it incorrectly. I mean, uh, look at Gundogan. Was, 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 did he have a big signing fee for City? Do you recall? It was a big fee. Oh, I don't recall. I mean, I just know uh, he was doing an excellent job at Schalke, and all of a sudden that deal almost like fell out of the blue. So it just shows you how not only potent the, the, the um, recruitment is at the club, but I mean, Owl, they also keep it silent till the last. I mean, it almost like has a, a Bayern Munich taste to it because Bayern also do this stuff very, very quietly. Sometimes they'll, you know, they'll flaunt it, but they also know when they have to shut their mouths and just get the business, you know, the deal done. No, I, I agree. And I think we, we, we dally dally too much. And I think, you know, as much as, 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 as money they've been spending, I think also that. Um, Oh, sorry, I'm just checking. They they paid 20 million for, for Gundogan. I mean, it just looks that, you know, the, to have the kitty and spend it wisely is also, you know, one thing. But if you look at Phil Foden coming up, you know, they yeah. also have players that's, that's the youngsters besides the money factor. And you see, like, you know, when, I mean, I, I know I always mentioned on the podcast how you actually got me to take note of him because I didn't think that much of him before. Uh, you always used to pick up on it. And I watched him like the other night also, like I watched him now against Tottenham, I watched him against, uh, you know, Liverpool. And the sort of confidence, almost like Pep just tells me, you know, just go there, you know, go out there and just do your thing. And I mean, he does it. And I mean, he's, uh, you know, one hell of an impact player for them. And I mean, look, for me, as positive as I want to be, you know, this is sort of game where I told you weeks of up uh, front already. I mean, I have my doubts. I mean, because you can't really go toe-to-toe with him because you're going to get your ass handed to you. And I mean, I think for us, it's going to be a very, very smart approach we're going to need. You know, something down the lines of that FA Cup final, semi-final win over them. You know, that sort of uh, brand of football we're going to need. I think if for, for, for advice to any fans watching the game tomorrow, don't go with any expectations. Or Sunday, sorry. Don't go with any expectations. You know, put your jersey on if you want to put your jersey on and just go and enjoy the game. This is the kind of game, as an Arsenal fan, where you kind of have that free pass, you know. If mm. we get beaten by Man City, it's fine. We're not expected to beat them. But if we beat them, we'll get the point, you know. Suddenly we're smiling. But I do think... With Arsenal playing Benfica and Leicester back to back, you know it's the the this. Not that I want to lose games or some games aren't important, but you know you you can look at this one and say I have bigger fish to fry, even though that's probably the biggest fish you're playing at the moment. Yeah, because I mean, look, they're chasing now some like thirteen straight wins and yeah, with a mix and match uh, season. Yeah, and and they and they've and they've also you know haven't had that full strength squad. I mean, Aguero's hardly. I can't remember when he touched the ball actually. I mean, my you know the other day when I was just going through the the squad lineups of of Man City when they were playing that one of the catch up games in midweek. 
Just everything, my yeah. Stomach, yeah, my stomach actually turned when I saw the brainer coming on with 10 minutes to go. And I thought, oh, <laughs> so that means you're already all primed to probably to start against us the, the weekend. Yeah, but I mean, we didn't put a good showing when we lost at the Etihad when they were all form 1 0. So, yeah, I'm not going to put any predictions out there because predictions lead to expectations. So, I'm just going to go there and uh, sit with a smile on my face and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. So, you know, just before we round off, uh, I just want to just touch on lightly the uh, return leg of the Benfica game. As you mentioned, that's going to take place in, in, in Athens. Uh, any hopes, any ideas how that's going to play out? Yeah, it's, it, it, I don't think Benfica will come as bad as they did at, at in, in the row. What I do think is Arsenal needs to make that away goal count. I mean, it means Benfica has to come out to try and score, which is a positive thing. But Arsenal can't allow them to score in the first 10 to 15 minutes because, you know, suddenly the away goal becomes null and void. So I think it's important for Arsenal to get on the front foot, you know, Take your chances. And, yeah, um, you know, I, I would take this one, go all out, you know, even if you have to rest some players for the weekend, let like I head start. But I think the Europa League is our priority right now. You know, we, 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 we could lose this game anyway with a full-strength squad. So, yeah, I mean, against City. So, Benfica should be the focus. I'm hoping for a 3-0 win against Benfica. Yeah. So with that, um, in the podcast, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Take care, stay safe, and bye. Cheers, guys.